Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. Today we're going to be in James chapter 5 and we are talking about being patient until the Lord returns. I've enjoyed this series on James and we will actually wrap it up next Sunday. Uh, but the Lord's return has a special meaning for, I think, all of us. We, we realized from the testimony of the scriptures that Jesus came. He, uh, he uh, died on that cross. He was buried in a tomb. He, he rose again and he ascended to heaven and he is coming back. And that is one of the great hopes that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. I can tell you that uh, at the age of 17, when I heard the gospel and believed, it was um, a message that the preacher was preaching about the return of Jesus Christ. And I wanted to be ready. It reminds me of Luke chapter 12, when Jesus said, Be ready for service and have your lamps lit. You're to be like people waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can open the door for him at once. Blessed will be those servants the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will get ready, have them recline at the table, and then come and serve them. And if he comes in the middle of the night or even near dawn and finds them alert, blessed are those servants. But know this, if the homeowner had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also be ready. Because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And that is so true. Jesus is coming, but He's going to come at an hour that we don't expect. And that's why Jesus tells us to be ready. Not get ready, but to be ready for His return. I love the story that John F. Kennedy, during his 1960 presidential campaign, would close in some of his speeches about the story of Colonel Davenport, the Speaker of the Connecticut House of Representatives. You see, on May 18th, or May 19th, 1780, the sky of Hartford, Connecticut, grew very dark. And some of the representatives, after looking out the window, literally thought that this might be the end of the world. And some wanted to immediately adjourn the meeting. Davenport rose to his feet, and here's what he said. He said, the day of judgment is either approaching or it's not. If it's not, there's no cause for adjournment. If it is, I choose to be found doing my duty. Therefore, I wish that candles be brought. You know, there's a lesson there. Rather than fearing what is to come, you and, all, you and I are to be faithful to what God has called us to do until he returns. And that's exactly what we should do. Are you ready for the Lord's return? He's coming back, folks. He's coming back. And we need to be ready. You know, 2 Peter uh, chapter 3 tells us that uh, not only should we be patient for the Lord's return, but God is patient. And there's a reason why. In 2 Peter 3 verse 8, Peter says, Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years like one day. The Lord does not delay His promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Isn't that what Jesus said as well? 
On that day, the heavens will pass away with a loud noise. The elements will burn and be dissolved, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. And since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, it is clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness as you wait for the day of God and hasten its coming. Because of that day, the heavens will be dissolved with fire and the elements will melt with heat. In other words, the Lord is coming back. Time is relative to Him. He's coming back. And this delay, because it's been now 2,000 years, this delay is for a reason. Every day that He doesn't come is one more day for people to repent and come to Christ before it's too late. And that's why He lingers. He knows when the last soul will be saved and then He will come. And so until that time, we need to be ready because his coming will be like a thief in the night. In James chapter 5 today, we talk about waiting for the Lord and being, uh, being prepared for his return. And it tells us to be patient until the Lord's return. And it gives us examples of what that looks like to be patient. Be patient until the Lord's return is like a farmer waiting for the harvest. Look, if you will, in James 5, 7. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. Uh, I have a lot of respect for farmers. On the farm, there's always something to do. And even with the improvement of technology and all the things that technology can do, there's still always something to do, especially when technology works until it doesn't. And so there's always something to do on the farm. But at the end of the day, think about how a farmer has to depend on God. He can't wait for the perfect weather day before he plants the seed. He has to pay attention to the signs. He knows what window of opportunity he has. He knows that he's got to plant in a certain window of time, and he trusts God to lead him when to plant. I had a farmer in my last church that uh, his hands, the, the skin on his hands would crack when the seasons change, like from cold to hot weather or hot to cold weather. And uh, every year in the spring when his hands started cracking, he says, guess what? It's time to plant corn. And that's how you knew it was time to plant corn. Every year when the skin cracked, it's time to plant corn. But you have to trust God uh, to, to do what only He can do. You, you plant that seed and you, you tend to the field and you, you do all the hard work, but you've got to depend on God to send the rain. You've got to depend on God to, to grow that seed and to raise that crop up. And then when it's time to harvest, you've got to, you've got to bring it in. A farmer waits for the harvest. He has to trust the process that God has instituted when it comes to agriculture and depend on that. So he's patient and he waits for the harvest because he knows that if he plants, he's going to reap. Matter of fact, Galatians chapter 6 tells us, let us not get tired of doing good for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. You know, we have to not give up. 
not quit. Keep on keeping on. Do what God has called you to do and trust Him with the results. Be patient until the Lord's return like a farmer waiting for the harvest, but also like the prophets waiting for prophecy to be fulfilled. Look, if you will, in verse 10. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. Think about all those Old Testament prophets that we read about in the Old Testament that that saw, like I remember Isaiah, he saw the Lord in the temple, you know. They, they, they had a vision of, of the Lord. They had a vision of the kingdom. And they went out and they called people to return to God. And, and then their time on the stage of history passed. And they had to wait for all these prophecies about a Messiah's coming, a Messiah's coming. They had to wait for the prophecy to be fulfilled. There's another example here of being patient until the Lord's return, like a farmer waiting for the harvest, like prophets waiting for prophecy to be fulfilled, and like Job waiting for his vindication. Job is mentioned there in James 5, 11. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Job was vindicated. Think about that for a minute. Job was vindicated. Job, uh, when you read the book, it's 42 chapters in the Old Testament. It's one of the most fascinating stories because it kind of makes you wonder why do bad things happen to good people? And we don't always get the satisfactory answer to that question, but Job is a man who is upright and blameless. He's godly and upright and blameless, and God tells the devil there's no one else on earth like him. If God says that about you to the devil, you've got to be all right. And so Job was a man who loved God, who feared God, who served God, who obeyed God. And uh, all of a sudden, in one day, Job lost everything. Uh, we, we know in the story of Job that God and the devil had a conversation and if you read the book through, you'll realize that God, that Job, I mean, never knew about that conversation. All Job knows is that one day he wakes up and he loses everything. He loses all 10 of his kids die in the same day, okay? All of his, everything that he owns, the flocks, the herds, the cattle, everything, it's all destroyed. It's all gone. And his wife says, curse God and die. And boy, wouldn't it be easy to do. But what does he say? He says, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh, blessed be the name of the Lord. And in everything he said and everything he did, he honored God. And then the devil came back to God again and said, if, if you'll let me you know, strike him, uh, he will curse you to your face. And, and God says, you can, you can touch him, but you can't kill him. And the next thing you know, there's a second bad day in Job's life. He's already lost everything. Now he loses his health. He breaks out in all these sores and he becomes an outcast. Nobody wants to be around him, much less look at him. And then the friends show up. And for the first week, it's good because they show up and they warm, uh, they, they, they mourn with him and they just show support. But then after seven days, they open their mouths and they say, Job, what have you done? That's the gist of what they said. Job, what have you done for God to, to allow this to happen to you? Surely you've done something really bad. Surely you've sinned. But the, the story of Job and the Word of God tells us that he didn't. And so we go through his story through the book of Job. 
And it's three rounds of debates between he and his friends. And each time they're thinking, Job, you're not telling it all. Something's wrong. You've had to done something for God to do this to you. And in the end, Job is vindicated by God himself. In the end, Job has to pray for his friends. In the end, God blesses Job with even more than he had before. And so it's amazing how God vindicates Job. When you and I are being patient for the Lord's return in this fallen sinful world, we've got to be like the farmer waiting for the harvest because payday's coming someday. We've got to be like the prophets waiting for prophecy to be fulfilled because one of these days, he's coming. Jesus Christ, the spirit of prophecy, the one that fulfills all the prophecy, he's coming. He's coming back. And we've got to be like Job waiting for our vindication because as long as we live in this wicked world, there's going to be people that don't understand our relationship with God and they don't understand why we do what we do. But Job says, God will vindicate you. So my question to you that this passage answers today is how can you and I be ready for the Lord's return? We know we've got to be patient like the farmer and the prophet and Job, but how can we be ready for the Lord's return? Look, if you will, in verse 8. He says, you must also be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. I would say the first thing is we have to strengthen our heart because the Lord's coming is near. In other words, we need, to, we need to look inside ourselves and say, am I really ready for Jesus to come back? Am I really trusting in Him? Am I really depending on Him to get me through what I'm going through? Because one of these days He's coming back and all this stuff that I'm going through now, it won't matter then. So Lord, give my heart strength. Lord, Give me the staying power to continue to trust in you and depend on you and see you work on my behalf. Let God strengthen your heart because he is coming. The second way that we can be ready for the Lord's return is to stop complaining about each other. Look, if you will, in verse 9. It says, brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look. The judge stands at the door. Now that one catches me and goes, wow, here we are, we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about Jesus, but now we're talking about us. You know what? I don't know about you, but when I stand before God, I don't want anything horizontally to be brought up between me and Him. And so I want to encourage you, if you, you know, if you're sour on things, if you're grumbling, if you're backbiting, don't do that. Because one of these days, we're going to have to stand before God, and He's the judge. And when God's the judge, He sees every side of a situation, and He knows the thoughts and intentions of every single heart. So stop complaining about each other, because the judge stands at the door. How can you and I be ready for the Lord's return? Don't swear. Now that one sounds odd, don't it? Don't swear so that you won't fall under judgment. Now look, if you will, in verse 12. In verse 12, it says, Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes mean yes and your no mean no so that you won't fall under judgment. Now let me share what I found here. 
Here's what's interesting when you preach through a book of the Bible. When you go through a book of the Bible, chapter and verse every week, one of the decisions you have to make is, okay, what's the beginning and end of this passage? Does the theme of this passage start here and end there, or does it go a little bit further, or does it stop a little short? Where's the theme in this passage of Scripture? And there at first, at the beginning of the week, I'm like, this is verse 7 through 11. And then I'm like, oh, I can just do chapter, verse 12, you know, something next time or something. But then I begin to look at verse 12 in relation to verse 7 through 11. And then I realize something. I want you to see there again in chapter 5, verse 12, James, he talks about don't swear by heaven or earth or anything else. Let your yes mean yes, your no mean no. So, here's the reason, so that you won't fall under judgment. And now go back to verse 9. Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. All of a sudden you realize that verse 9 and verse 12, they're linked. They're both talking about what we say. And they're both saying, be careful or you will fall under judgment. Watch what you say because the Lord knows what you're saying and he will judge you for everything you've said and done, okay? And so he's given us an example uh, horizontally and vertically. Horizontally, don't complain about each other because God will judge you for that. Vertically, he's saying, don't swear because God will judge you for that. You see, swearing has to do with when our words aren't enough to be believed, then we have to up our game. Well, I swear on this, that, and the other. I'm not talking about the oath that you take in a court of law. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about in everyday life when you're talking about, uh, about things that you, you can't control. And what do you think about this? Well, I swear by heaven or earth or any other oath. Ron Phillips says it this way. The believer is not to use oaths to prove his honesty. James has already shown us that our works speak louder than our words. And that is so true. You know, Jesus talked about this as well. And he said the same thing. Don't swear. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. And that should be it. If we're honest, if we're truthful, if we say what we mean, mean what we say, and do what we promise, then speech is not an issue. So you and I, if we're going to be ready for the Lord's return, we've got to strengthen our hearts. We've got to make sure that we're depending on Him for every challenge, uh, problem that we face. We, we've got to realize that we can't complain about other people. We're not going to give an account for them. We're going to give an account for us. And we can't swear either. We have to be honest and let our yes be yes or no be no. Otherwise, we fall under judgment. And that's how you and I can be ready for the Lord's return. Let's all stand. Musicians, if you would come. Ushers, if you would come. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Thank you for this time in your word. And Lord, I pray that we would all be ready for the Lord's return. Lord, may everything that we say, 
everything that we do and everything that's in our heart, Lord, may it be right with you. And Lord, may we be ready to to stand before you on that day, not in our own strength, not in our own righteousness, but in a robe of righteousness that we've received by you because of what you did on the cross when you paid our sin debt in full. Lord, we ask you right now to be with us during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As the ushers come, we'll take up those next step cards if you want to share a prayer request or if you want to share that you're ready for the the next step in your walk with Jesus. Uh, Please do that. I'd love to have a conversation with you. If you feel led to give, you can do that as well. We also have it at the drop boxes in the back and at the Welcome Center. But whatever you feel led to do, I want to encourage you to do that. Here in a moment, we're fixing to sing, and we're going to have an invitation. And this is going to be your time to respond to God. We've worshiped Him. We've praised Him. We've sang. We've prayed. And now we've heard heard His Word. And in the spirit of what James says, he says, when you hear the word, don't be a hearer only, but be a doer. Do what it says. So my question to you this morning is simply this. What is God saying to you through his word? What does he want you to do? And what are you going to do about it? How are you going to respond? It's my hope and my prayer this morning that you'll do exactly what God wants you to do. If you've never come to that place where you've Put your trust and and faith in Jesus. I pray that you'll do that. The Lord is coming. And I remember being a young man hearing that message. And when the light bulb clicked, I was like, oh my goodness. God is coming back someday. And I want to be ready. I don't want to be unprepared. I don't want to stand before him on that day and be judged. And I don't have a lifeline because all those opportunities I had... I didn't take advantage of them. Every day that we have breath, it's an opportunity to trust and follow Jesus. And that's my prayer for you. If you're already a believer this morning, my prayer is that you will think about these things that James said and simply be ready for the Lord's return. Look at your heart. Look at your words. Look at your walk. And make sure everything is right with you and others. And just be ready. Be ready as we sing. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.